Hello and welcome to Dateline New Haven and WNHHFM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, your host, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Well, New Haven's going to be ticking on Sunday because there's going to be a great event at the New Haven Museum. And we're talking to the folks who are putting together the event um, from the Jewish Historical Society of Greater New Haven. And it's the second annual Judith Ann Shift Women's History Program. There's been this wonderful effort through the Jewish Historical Society to reclaim, retell, and re-explore the stories of Jewish women who have made a difference in our community. This year, they're going to be honoring Laurel Vlock. We've talked about her before on this program. She created the Holocaust Memorial Archives at Yale, and she was a journalist in New Haven. She had a really interesting life, and we're going to be talking about that today as well as what's up with this program. And we have with us Rhoda Zoller, who created the Women's History Program through the through the um, Jewish Historic Society, which she's been a main member forever. Michael Dimenstein, who is the president of the Jewish Historic Society, and Carol Bass, to whom I am married, very happily, is the person who dived into the research about Laurel Vlock to find out what it is about her life that we want to know about now. And uh, So, uh, Rhoda, um, it's such a pleasure to have you back on, Rhoda. Rhoda's a, a retired longtime city civil servant in New Haven. Someone I always admired is one of those people who really do the work and you never hear about because she just makes sure stuff got built in New Haven. And, um, and now in her second act, would you say? After leaving the city, you're now doing all this stuff at Jewish Historical Society? Or? Oh, yes. I, I never really retired. I just kind of changed focus on what I was spending my time doing. Now, if I remember correctly, you've been involved since the beginning, right, with this Jewish Historical Society? No, oh. no. I, I didn't get involved um, until I had retired. Oh, okay. I just didn't have time. I remember Judy Schiff, when she formed it, she got to hear Howard Zinn speak in Boston and the whole idea of history from below. She was inspired to have a grassroots Jewish history group here. So, Rhoda, how did it come about that you decided to do an annual program about Jewish women and their legacy? Well, it really began uh, over a year ago when I was meeting at the New Haven Museum with Margaret Ann Tokarczewski, who is the executive director, Um, about some things that we were collaborating on with the Jewish Historical Society and the Ethnic Heritage Center. They've been very supportive of our Walk New Haven program. And she told me that she had been approached by the Jewish Historical Society in Hartford about having an exhibit that they had put together about groundbreaking, trailblazing Jewish women. I love that exhibit. And, in fact... Three of them were from New Haven, and she wanted to, uh, um, Elizabeth Rose, the executive director in Hartford, wanted to have the program in New Haven in March during Women's History Month. And Margaret and Anne and I uh, had both been um, friends with Judith Schiff, who had passed away the previous summer, who was a founder of both the Jewish Historical Society and the Ethnic Heritage Center. She was the Yale University librarian, historian, right, at the University of Miami? Yes, yes, and also a very active board member of the New Haven Museum and the League of Women Voters. And as you mentioned, Paul, she was the city historian and the chief research archivist at the Sterling Memorial Library at Yale. And she had been a wonderful resource for 
the New Haven Museum, for the Jewish Historical Society, for the Ethnic Heritage Center on all of our projects. And we were talking about um, doing something in her honor, something that we could do to honor Judy. And we knew how interested Judy had always been in promoting untold stories of, of women, of minorities, of people who were often left out of history. And some of her writing was about social history. So we decided that we would not only talk about these um, you know, trailblazing women in the Hartford exhibit, three of whom had New Haven connections, but we would also use it as an opportunity to start an annual program in March, which is Women's History Month, to honor the memory of Judy Schiff and also to preserve the histories of women from our community whose stories have not really been told enough and to build up the archives in our respective um, historical societies so that future researchers will know about these people and what they so do. So last year you started with Judy Schiff herself. Last year we died. started with Judy Schiff. And that Schiff. was a great event. That was a truly great event. I thought and it was a big crowd and we were yeah, moved it was by really Judy's standing story. And there was a lot, a lot of, of love there. Yes. And I thought part of what was interesting about it was because Judy Schiff didn't call attention to herself. She kind of she, did this whole lifetime of service in such interesting ways that we learned about our community. And I think people kind of felt good she got her due, you know? Did I you ever feel so. that way when you work on stuff? Do you ever feel like as a woman that you don't get as much attention as the men are out front, whether it was in your government or your social activities? Or, or do you care? You know, I, that has never really been a problem. I, I kind of like working behind the scenes, to tell you the was truth. That partly, is that part of the reason anyone out there think that's part of the reason sometimes women aren't? Told, I mean, the civil rights movement was classic, right? The men were always out front. The women did at least half the work. Political campaigns in New Haven is like, I think it's 77% of the work is done by the women, and the men are usually, on a, you know, unless it's the woman who's run for office. Do you have any thoughts about why it is that men's stories get told more? It's sometimes a, a, a function of who tells the history, who tells the story, and sometimes it's often the men who, who record and report it. Although Judith Schiff? Judith Schiff was, was really exceptional in so many ways, as Rhoda had described. And uh, she, she made sure that, uh, that history was told the way it should be told and, and that people who should be credited with various achievements uh, are, 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 are accredited. So this week, and did you have something you want to say about that? No? This week on Sunday... At the, at the New Haven Museum from 2 to 4. The second woman is going to be honored, Laurel Flock, who also was someone who kept history alive in such an important way with the Holocaust Memorial Video Archive. So, Rhoda, what's going to happen this Sunday at, at the museum? Uh, this Sunday, we have been working with a planning committee. You know, I, I should mention that last year, our planning committee included, you know, close friends of Judy Schiff's who spoke at the program. And this year, our planning committee included not only members of the Jewish Historical Society and the New Haven Museum, but also family members of, of Laurel of Locke. And two of them will be speaking at our program. Her sister, Marion Fox Wexler, who's 94 years old and lives in, in Hamden at Whitney Center, is going to be one of our speakers talking about their childhood and and you know what kind of formed the um, the person that Laurel became later, 
and her son Daniel, who has a lot of memories to share. So there's going to be a program about Laurel Vlock. There are going to be speeches, reminiscences. Will there be any physical displays? There's going to be an exhibit that was put together with things from the family that will be in a display case in the, um, the entrance lobby of the New Haven Museum, including her Emmy Award for her film about the Holocaust with interviews. And there will also be some video clips of some of her interviews with Holocaust survivors and also some of the interviews she did with other people. She also well, I look forward had, to watching those. Right, right. Well, we're talking with the organizers of a really great event taking place Sunday in New Haven. A tribute to Laurel Vlock, who was a pioneering, pioneering Holocaust filmmaker, has the second annual Judas Schiff Women's History Program. Carol, you did a lot of research into Laurel Vlock's life. I, I learned a lot about it secondhand from living with you and hearing about it. I was so interested in it. So who was Laurel Vlock and why should we know about her? Laurel Vlock was extraordinary. Get closer, Mike. Yeah. And um, she should be much better known than she is, both here in New Haven and really around the world. I, um, I knew her name mostly from um, a, a public affairs television show that she did in the 1980s and 90s. She started it before that, but that's, that's when I was familiar with it. Uh, Dialogue with Laurel Vlock, which was... I love those names of TV public affairs shows, you know, Dialogue with, In Step with, In Tune. And could, can you move the mic a little closer to your mouth just so we can hear you? Um, sure. Yeah, yeah, so, so Dialogue with Laurel Vlock was uh, an interview show on WTNH Channel 8 that Laurel did weekly for many, many years, and I was familiar with that. Um, so I knew her name, but I didn't know her personally, and... I had no idea of the breadth and the depth of the other work that she did in addition to that TV show. So she grew up around here? She, right. She was born Laurel Fox in 1926. She grew up with her family in the Beaver Hills neighborhood of New Haven. Um, as children, as their, their parents, uh, John Fox and Rose Greenberg Fox, were active and prominent members of the New Haven Jewish community and civic and business communities. Um, and as Jewish kids in the 1930s, Laurel and her sister Marion experienced anti-Semitism firsthand. There were neighborhood bullies. There were bullies at school who called them names, who told them that the local Catholic church was off limits. Um, and then in 1937, when Laurel was 11 years old and Marion was just seven, um, their mother, Rose Greenberg Fox, took them on a trip to Europe in 1937. 1937. As Jews, Europe in 1937. She was very aware of the Nazis, what they were doing to German Jews. This was not a, a blithe tourist trip. Um, she went. They went to visit Rose's sister in England, and in London they saw anti-Semitic they saw Oswald Mosley, who was the fascist leader in England, ranting in the public square, uh, anti-Semitic rantings. They visited some other countries in Europe, and they visited Luxembourg. And there, in Luxembourg, um, Rose's sister persuaded them that they should walk across a bridge 
into Germany mm-hmm. because they should see the beautiful countryside. And um, Babs Arzavi <laughs> writes in with some hand claps and, and fist bumps and hearts. Thanks, Babs, for listening in. So Laura Vlock is growing up in New Haven, goes to Europe when the Nazis are on the rise, crosses a bridge into Luxembourg. And I'm going to ask you maybe move the mic a little down towards you. Yeah. So they walked across this bridge from Luxembourg into Nazi Germany. They're greeted by Nazi, ferocious Nazi border guards and snarling German shepherds, and uh, they're terrified. And they take a little walk along a country road, and the children who are playing by the roadside stop and give the Heil Hitler salute. I mean, it was terrifying for these children. Laurel, 11-year-old Laurel and wow. 7-year-old Marion. Wow. They never forgot it. When they returned to the United States... Um, their parents tried to spread the word about what was going on. And Marion says people just didn't listen. They didn't believe it. They didn't think it was that bad. So um, meanwhile, the sisters grew up and they went to Hill House High School and they went to Cornell University. Their dad wanted to make sure they had an education so they could be independent and support themselves. Uh, Laurel married uh, Jay Vlock, known as Jim Vlock, who was... uh, went into the family, the Vlock, fa- the, sorry, the Fox family <coughs> steel business. They had three children, um, Daniel, Michael, and Sandra. Um, they moved to Woodbridge. Laurel became a school teacher. Then she got this opportunity to do a radio show. She had never done radio. She had never done broadcast. She had never done journalism or interviews. Yale had started this FM radio station, WYBC. It was relatively new then in, in the mid-60s, and they asked her to do this educational program in collaboration with the New Haven Public Schools. So she would bring speakers into the schools. She would record their talks and their interactions with the school kids. She would record talks in the community. She brought in a former mayor of New York City and brought together 150 high school journalists to interview him and was write about Lindsay? him. Was that Lindsay? Uh, Robert F. Wagner. Oh, Wagner. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, it was a very innovative educational program. Through that, at WYBC, she met a, a Yale student, an undergrad at the time, named Joel Levitch, and he taught her about radio production. And they became, I was wondering about like, if she edited the audio of the high school kids, and, I mean the school kids. Yeah. I'm not sure how much of the technical work she did. Um, actually, her son Dan did talk about her splicing tape in the kitchen, so yes. She was hands-on. Um, I mean, she never shied away from the grunt work. You know, she, she lined up all day. She didn't have a staff. And you said this was the 60s? This was the 60s. So was it usual for women who were, like, married, men who made money and were bringing up kids to go to WYBC in schools and do this kind of it thing? It was not typical. It was <laughs> not typical. So I think that the radio program helped move her in that direction. She, she discovered that she loved interviewing people, and she was really good at it, and she liked telling people's stories. She never called attention to herself. So she started this TV program, and it was called Dialogue with Laurel Vlock, but it was not about Laurel Vlock. It was about the guests. It was their stories. It was their activities. She was the host. And um, that... She did that show for decades until her tragic death in 2000 in a car crash. In 1979, she was working on a documentary for WTNH, Channel 8, 
about the New Haven Holocaust Memorial, which was about two years old then and was the first in the country that was built on public land. And she was interviewing Holocaust survivors for that documentary. And she got the idea that these stories needed to be told, that um, it was well past World War II and the Holocaust and survivors were aging and it was essential for the rest of us that their stories be preserved. She also had the very strong belief that these needed to be visual testimonies. So there were other people who were doing oral histories with Holocaust survivors and they were doing them on audio cassette or they were doing them in a written form. And Laurel said, I understand the impact of the visual. And she talked about demeanor evidence, how someone looks when they're talking. And things that's that so interesting now because we talk about now we're decades later, there are very few survivors left, and people Holocaust denial has ramped up a lot, right? So they're, they're yes. saying, and what how important is her legacy, you think, in trying to combat efforts to deny the Holocaust? It's more important than ever. You know, back in 1979 when she started this project she said time is running out and she connected with a Yale psychiatrist or a psychiatrist named Dory Laub who himself was a child Holocaust survivor mm. and um, she, she understood the importance of recording these stories she was concerned about the emotional toll that it would take on the witnesses on the survivors and so she sought out Dory Laub because mm. he w both had the personal experience as a survivor and he had the psychiatric know-how. Um, but when I watch, I haven't watched a lot of them, watched some of those because the video archives up. It seems like for some people it's very healthy, healthful for them to tell that story. That's what he told her. He said, people need to tell a lot story. of time has passed and people are ready to tell their stories. Mm. And how many um, did she end up doing? They started with four in one marathon recording session in Dory Laub's psychiatry office. Um, by the time they turned the video cassettes over to Yale, which agreed to house them in an archive, um, there were about 183, wow. I think, testimonies, awesome. individuals. That was in 1981, I believe. So in just, yeah, in just a couple of years. They, um, They've done more since. And, oh, so what is now called the Fortune Off Archive for Holocaust video testimony at Yale contains about 4,400 wow. testimonies. Wow, 4,400 people's stories. And they're, still, and they're still collecting stories. Thank God. I mean, and we're talking to people from the Jewish Historical Society of Greater New Haven. Rodezala, Carol Bass, and Michael Dimenstein about a program coming up this Sunday. We urge everyone to come. It's free at the uh, New Haven Museum on Temple Street, on Whitney Avenue, excuse me, from 2 to 4, honoring Laurel Vlock, who was a pioneering Holocaust filmmaker. So, Michael and Rhoda, when you hear Carol talk about the work Laurel did in preserving the stories and the images, not just the voices of people in the Holocaust, you two have dedicated so much of your time now to Jewish history, 
When you hear that story, what does that make you think about why you do what you do and what the value is of what Laurel Vlock did? I think today, more than ever, we understand the importance of providing truth in history and, uh, and uh, you know, unadulterated facts about what really happened. Um, I mean, having people like Judith Schiff and Laurel Vlock as, as our subjects for, uh, for this, this program, one thing that's, that's common to both of them was their, their devotion to uh, ensuring that history was preserved with accuracy. So when we preserve the history of the Holocaust with accuracy, what does that help us do or not do? Why is it important that people not wipe clean the story of the Holocaust? Any thoughts from anybody? Well, as Carol mentioned, their, um, Laurel's parents were very shocked when they came back uh, from their experience in Europe and talked to their friends about what was going on in Europe and actually raised money to send over that people didn't believe that that could happen. And, and now if they don't believe now, I mean, there's a saying never again that we hope that by, there's an argument sometimes that by wiping out what the Nazis did, that makes it easier for it to happen again in some form. I mean, I think we're, we're fighting not only, uh, you know, lack of information, but misinformation that is out there, revisionists of history, deniers of history. And I think that you know our challenge today is to make sure that that what we that what we preserve and what we share with with our public with, with our with our community is you know factual and is um you know important underpinning to what we have going on in our world today so, Michael, you're involved in a broader way. You've taken over as president of the Greater New Haven chapter of the Jewish Historical Society. These kind of organizations are hard to keep afloat. Somebody has energy for a bunch of years, like the amazing work Jewish Historical Society make. I'm so proud of it as a New Haven Jew. They put out more than 10 books, I believe, with these great stories that everyone's contributed about what Jewish life has been over in centuries. I've read them all at least once, some more. I just love learning about it. I feel like I'm stepping back into... Uh, into um, into the Oak Street neighborhood and what Jewish life was like. What are you doing now, Michael? I know there's been a lot more energy in the last couple of years since you and some others took the helm, so let's get this going again. What, what, how does this program fit into what you're so more broadly trying to do? We have at the Jewish Historical Society archives hundreds of oral histories that we have taken over the years. In fact, uh, one of our, our uh, star oral history Oral historians is Rhoda herself, who has oh, I didn't know that Rhoda. Who, who has you done that the interviews. for okay. uh, a number of years, and uh, that's something we want to continue to build on. Uh, we are very fortunate to have just brought on board a an archivist, a young woman who has worked um, in the, in the past on a, a very exciting women's oral history program in Boston with the Jewish community there. Uh, so that that's an area that we want to... Uh, and you're having more events in general. You're having people meet each other at different ages, right? You're trying to have the Jewish Historical Society be a group that people find a common interest around and see each other in person, right? I mean, I noticed you had the event at Ricotta, right? Didn't you have... And 
we uh, we 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 do offer educational programs that we will uh, we will hold. Um, generally, they're uh, you know they're offsite. Uh, okay. We don't have a lot of space where we I are. I went to an event you had at the Ethnic Historical uh, Ethnic Heritage Archives on Fitch Street by Southern. That's right. That's right, which we share with four yeah. other... I have some idea I've heard about that, because one of the most inspiring... Carrie, you remember this when we were at the Old Independent in 1988. It was the 350th birthday of New Haven Colony. And what I thought the most enduring and exciting outgrowth of that celebration was five different ethnic historical societies in town came together for that event and then formed a permanent organization. And you have your archives together in Southern, right, Rhoda? So, and now you also work with them, with the Jewish Society, with the um, African... I think they still call it Afro-Americans. They changed the African-American African-American. And you have the Irish-American, the Italian-American. I believe the Puerto Rican got redone. I'm not sure. No, Ukrainian. Um, Ukrainian, Ukrainian, right. They always agree. So you all work together. And Rhoda, we've had a bunch of articles where you've done these walking tours with booklets and QR codes in different neighborhoods where all the groups talk about their histories, whether it's Lower Grand or Worcester Square. Is that correct? Yes. We collaborated over the last six or seven years on creating five what we call cultural heritage tours of New Haven's neighborhoods. Uh, We began with two tours in the downtown, downtown and downtown north, which is on Orange Street. Uh, And we did Worcester Square. We did Lower Dixwell Avenue. And our most recent one, which we started a couple of years ago, was on Grand Avenue close to downtown. And we have featured uh, not necessarily buildings of architectural significance, but places that have cultural value. And a lot of them are on the National Register, such as on Gough Street, there's a building built in the 1850s, a brick building that is right near the firehouse that was the Gough Street Special School for Colored Children Mm. back when... um, African-American children were not allowed to go to public schools. And there is actually a room in that building now, which is a Masonic Hall, dedicated to the history of the school that was there. And um, the Lower Dixwell tour has a lot of very important sites for African-American history. But in the past, there were Jewish people who lived there. There was a Jewish synagogue. In, in the Lower Dixwell area. Kesser Israel, um, Dixon Kesser yeah. Israel, which, you know, merged and is now part of Becky. And there were sites that were important to all of the groups And so people history. can, if one wants, today or any day, someone wants to go to any of those five neighborhoods, they can go right online with their phone and you yes. have a whole tour set up with them. <laughs> yes, so yes. Where they can go and what they can hear. Yeah, you know, walknewhaven.org. Walknewhaven.org. Is the website. And that five tours with lots of information about each site are all on the website. And we have been adding videos uh, that we've taken of people actually giving the tours. That's the great. To that the is website. awesome. And I remember when you had your event launching the Grand Avenue one last year. What I loved about it is when I meet the people from all different historic societies and they all have some part of their history they're proud of and they tell you about. Like Harold Miller talking about his father's shop and how they dealt with people. There was a woman who, um, who talked about the movie, the the, the the music venue, which I never knew existed, which had like some of the major jazz people of their era run by an African-American woman on 
the Jefferson Grand area. I think that's one of the great projects right you guys got. Right near the clock factory, yes, yes, yes. So let me ask you before we go off, let's remind people that this Sunday we want you to go, if you're interested, in New Haven Museum at 114 Whitney Avenue, 2 to 4 p.m. It's going to be a good crowd there. To hear all about Laurel Vlock and people who knew her talking about her exhibits, you can watch the interviews. And it's just a great gathering, a great way for community to be together on a Sunday. And it's free. Let me Tell me some other ways that people can get involved in the work you're all doing. What would Anyone listening today who wants to know more about Jewish history be part of this organization, what should they, uh, what should they do? We're a member organization, the Jewish Historical Society of Greater New Haven. We're always seeking new members, um, and uh, membership is, is, is pretty inexpensive, and it comes with uh, a lot of benefits, including the various events that we provide. And how they find out about you? Um, we have a website. So just Google Jewish is, Historical Society of Greater New Haven. It's, uh, it's jewishhistorynh.org. All right. And, and, and Rhoda, are there going to be more Walk New Haven tours that people can get involved in creating? Oh, or? yes. In fact, I have a meeting at 3 o'clock this afternoon to plan <laughs> our next set of tours. Where are they going to be? Uh, that's what we're going to be deciding. <laughs> and do you want to say how people can get involved if they want to? If people want to get involved with our Walk New Haven tours through the Walk New Haven website, you can send us an email and just say you want to get involved. We get we get you know requests for tours through the website that we respond to, and we put people on our email list. To let and Carol, know. are there ways people can find out more about Laurel Vlock or the Fortunov Archives if they want to watch some of the interviews? That's a great question. Well, um, if you Google Fortunov Archives, I don't think that the I don't think it's open to the general public. I think it's open to researchers who need to get credentials gotcha. or permission to access. And if you go to the Independent and you Google Fortune Off, you will be able to see some of the videos. We had an article a few years ago. There are a few that I think that are on YouTube that are that are available to everyone. Um, but otherwise, I think, you know, Yale, Yale runs the archive and I, th I think they see it as primarily a resource for researchers. Well, Yale runs the archive along with the world, or at least New Haven, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you Paul, guys... our plan is to record the program, and the program that we're doing on Sunday will be available on both the Jewish Historical Society website and the New Haven Museum website. Well, and there will be clips of the videos as part of the program. Well, keep up the great work, you three. Keep up the great work, Jewish Historical Society, Greater New Haven, Walk New Haven, you're doing God's work, and you're making New Haven a better place for all of us, keeping our history and our present and our future together. Thanks for... Rhoda Zala, Carol Bass, and Michael Dimenstein. Again, that's 2 to 4 p.m. Sunday at the New Haven Museum. Laurel Vlock will be discussed and honored in memory at the second annual Judith Ann Schiff Women's History Program. Thanks to Doreen and Nora at the controls and Harry in the uh, metaverse um, producing today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience, performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. It is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night long at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Mm -hmm.